Welcome to Sooners Extra, powered by the Oklahoman. I'm Ryan Aber, OU beat writer for the Oklahoman, joined as always by uh, fellow beat writer Joe Masato. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, ready to continue our discussion <laughs> off of Big 12 Media Days. Yeah, a little bit uh, more comfortable setup uh, this time around That's right. than what we had on Tuesday down at AT&T Stadium in sort of like a weird storage area for yeah. like the extra turf that they have there at AT&T Stadium. But we are here in the uh, comfortable confines of the uh, Oklahoma Podcast Studio. We're also joined today by uh, columnist Barry Trammell. Barry, how are you today? Hot. It's hot outside. It's real hot. It is real hot, and Joe and I are dressed for the heat a little bit with the uh, short sleeve polos. Well, you got to dress warm, <laughs> even in the hot, because people love their air conditioning so much. Can't go to dinner, can't go to church, can't go to the movies, can't go to work without somebody freezing you out. <laughs> so it's a conundrum. It is. So what's the solution to that? Do you uh, San Diego? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> we are, unfortunately, a long, long way from San Diego, uh, although you visited there this summer, Barry. But <laughs> let's just get off the rails right off the bat. So is the solution to have – I know it's you hear about this every summer with especially women uh, talking about how, how cold it is in workplaces. Uh, is the solution to have guys dress a little bit more uh, appropriately for the weather and not always in – you know, sport coats. Well, I literally dress the same all four seasons. So, just because you have to. I'm, I'm not kidding. My most miserable – I went to the doctor the other day. Had my ear plugged. I needed my ear irrigated. And I sat in the room, the examination room, for about 15 minutes before the doctor came in. And I bet it was 48 degrees in that room. I mean, I was freezing. By the time he got there, my ear was the least of my problems. <laughs> so he needed to treat you up, for hypothermia. People crank up that air conditioner. That's the solution: is don't crank your air up. Don't run it. Sixty-nine degrees in room. Seventy-two, seventy-three is fine. Seventy-two, seventy-three is fine. Yeah, it's uh, it's gotten to ridiculous levels. But we're here to talk uh, OU football, primarily at least, and. Joe, let's go back to Big 12 Media Days on Monday and Tuesday, and we talked a lot about the OU side of things, but obviously if OU is to make the Big 12 championship game and advance to yet another college football playoff or, or winning yet another Big 12 title, they've got to get through some other teams first, and we'll have to beat somebody else at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Seems like the two most likely opponents from uh, everything uh, that we know going into the year are uh, Texas who they faced last year in Iowa State, the upstart team. But uh, uh, among the other teams outside of OU, what maybe were you most impressed with uh, by what we heard down there in Arlington? Well, you know, you, you mentioned one of those teams, Iowa State. You know, just before kind of the open breakout sessions start that we're able to talk to pretty much all the players and coaches, each coach has their turn on the podium, and I – I, I wasn't at the event last year, but I just thought Matt Campbell is, you know, the most impressive coach to to listen to and handles that press conference so well. And he's just a guy. Someone made the joke on Twitter. They they tweeted out a picture of Matt Campbell and said Matt Campbell has arrived for his final Big Twelve media days. Basically, <laughs> the joke being he's probably going to be in the NFL uh, 
sometime next year, maybe a high-profile Big Ten job. Who knows? But um, he, w- he was pretty impressive and then um, might touch on this a little bit, but I, I, not necessarily all of them might have had that level of uh, been that level of impressive, but uh, I, I thought it was a pleasure to sort of hear the four new coaches in the conference and, and see what they were going to bring to it. Yeah, that was definitely interesting. Matt Campbell, to me, is always a, a great listen uh, to him during Big 12 Media Days. Really the two Matts, Matt Campbell at Iowa State and Matt Rule at Baylor, spent a little bit of time around each of those guys individually in the breakout sessions and uh, just really, really are impressed by what both of them are doing, both you know their interactions with us, but also in what they've done uh, to build their teams up. I know, Barry, we've talked about this a lot. I know you agree about the, the mats, but uh, what, uh, what were you most impressed with coming out of uh, Tuesday? Uh, it would be Matt Campbell. Um, just what an unbelievable uh, leader he is and how he's transformed Iowa State. And he's, he says the same things and he sounds the same as he did when he first got to Ames. When he the second year when he went three and nine, he's he's undeterred. He's just a fabulous coach. Now he's got back to back eight win seasons, and you know I I don't know that Iowa State can hold on to him, but I hope they can. I hope he becomes the Bill Snyder of of Ames, because what a great job he's done. Yeah, he's he's been fantastic. Uh, you you talk about the potential for him, you know, becoming the Bill Snyder of Ames. How sustainable do you feel like this is, Barry, what he's done at Iowa State? No, I don't think it's sustainable at all, and I didn't think uh, Bill Snyder was sustainable at Manhattan, but he did it for almost 30 years, and they were, you know, they, they won a couple of championships. They had uh, four or five top ten teams, but they were always competitive, and they were always dangerous, and that's really all you can ask for. Um, frankly, that's – that's all you can ask for at most schools. There's not, you know, we always talk about the blue bloods, but most people are like that. Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, TCU, Texas Tech. Those teams aren't, you know, they're not going to be perennial powers year after year after year. So um, what, what Bill Snyder showed that it could be done, and other teams are doing it. Now, nobody's really been able to do it like uh, Bill Snyder did, although Frank Beamer, you know, Virginia Tech was no was no garden spot of college football, and he he did a great job. You know, I can remember I can remember when I was a kid, Oregon was a terrible program, um, no no better really than Oregon State, and now they've become a, a name brand in college football. So it can be done, but there are things at Iowa State that are against you: geography, the weather, uh, population, those kinds of things. But those ten, those things also were in place at Manhattan. So um, I, I won't doubt Matt Campbell too much. And, Joe, probably uh, I think pretty universally the most disappointing thing about Big 12 Media Days was uh, less miles at Kansas. I know, Barry, I think you're going to write about this here in the next uh, few days, but uh, – I know with all the excitement over those four big-time coaches, and obviously only one of them has a Division I national championship under its belt, but uh, it, it just didn't seem to quite click for Les Miles. Yeah, I would describe his showing as rather uncomfortable. Um, it just 
you know, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to address the Puka Williams situation in his opening statement or it was going to be the first question. Um, but I guess credit to him for at least first bringing <laughs> it up. But then that's kind of where I draw the line of giving him credit for sort of how he handled that situation. It just came off. Um, you know, he had his notebook in front of him and, and sort of kept flipping through it and pausing. And it seems like, you know, he definitely had whatever written down was what he was going to say, but it just came across as, um, I, I don't know if insincere is the right word. I think he was trying to handle it the right way. I just don't know if it came across at all like that in such a serious situation. And um, I, I I don't know. I, I just think it's got to be handled a little bit better than that. And, and then the rest of his um, press conference, I, I didn't speak to him in the breakouts, but I think we expected, you know, grass eating and, and jokes and maybe some of that came later but um he uh he didn't draw many laughs in his opening audition and barry you're a guy who's been around less miles a lot when he was the head coach at oklahoma state what was your take of what we saw from uh, the kansas coach on uh, monday alarm concern bewilderment I have no idea what's going on but that's not the last miles i remember or the last miles I saw from afar when he was at LSU. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. Maybe maybe he had a cold or an infection and had to take medication and was doped up. I don't know. But something was amiss with last miles. Uh, and I wouldn't have thought anything about it except some of those th- same things I've said is what people said at his introductory press conference. So, you know, in between they say he's had some, some good interactions with the public. But – Man, I was, I was taken aback by that. Yeah, it was definitely a much different uh, Les Miles than I remember at Oklahoma State. I had a little bit of dealings with him at LSU, but that wasn't the Les Miles that I think everybody has sort of grown to know around here. Barry, you mentioned Bill Snyder's name, and it was a little weird not to see him at Big 12 Media Days there for the first time. What would what, you uh, – take away from the Kansas State side and, and uh, their their new coach specifically? Well, Chris Kleiman clearly has had a good impact in Manhattan and people like him and he's a winner at North Dakota State. He wasn't a ball of fire in Arlington. He was up there the same day as Tom Herman and the two Mats. Um, so that's a little bit of a, you know, he's, he's not going to win that battle. But um, you know, I think he'll be all right. You know, I, one thing about him, he's been, you know, he's been coaching North Dakota State, and they've won what is it, five out of the last seven one double A titles or something, something like, like that. that. And they've had better players than everybody they're playing. Now he's going to a place where most Saturdays he's not going to have as good of players. Uh, as the other team that's going to be a big adjustment for any coach he's going to have to get used to that um you know the kansas state has been winning for a long time with uh with they got good talent and they've gotten some really good players and they've had superstars but they've also been winning with the system and with discipline and with a commitment to um doing things right down after down day after day and North Dakota State hasn't necessarily had to win that way. So that's the only thing that gives me pause about, about Chris Kleiman at Kansas State 
is can he adjust to being a have-not after uh, so many years in Fargo of being a have? Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. And also the the uh, transition between the offense that Bill Snyder ran and, and what Chris Kleiman uh, likes to run and, and the kind of players that that requires. We'll see how much time that takes to fully get in place. Uh, the the uh, One of the coaches that we haven't talked about to this point is uh, Matt Wells, an Oklahoma guy from, from Texas Tech. Joe, what did you take away from uh, Matt Wells' uh, time at Big 12 Media Days? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Jenny asked him a question about being from Oklahoma, so that was that was pretty cool to, to hear him talk about that at, um, at Big 12 Media Days and how that's still sort of a part of his life and that he doesn't get back there as much as he would like, um, but at least is a tad closer now. I mean, I remember when, when before Tech hired him, Neil Brown, another coach we haven't really discussed that much, he was also on the on Texas Tech's radar, and they ended up going with Matt Wells. And, and I think maybe the fit at Wells at, at Tech and Neil Brown at West Virginia makes sense maybe for, for both sides. Had one of the best offenses in the country at Utah State. Offense is synonymous with Texas Tech. So um, everything that, you know, you look for a guy who – maybe balance out what happened with the Cliff Kingsbury era. He seems to be taking a professional approach to this so far. A lot of mats in the Big 12. <laughs> a lot of good mats. So, um, Matt Wells, I didn't get to talk to him off the podium. Did either one of you guys spend any time with him? I would uh, like to have spent I didn't, other than I'd just like to have quit. spent some time because – it's sort of innocuous up there. It was good. It wasn't, you know, wasn't anything memorable, but it was fine on the podium. And of course, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with winning football games anyway. So, um, I wish I could have spent more time with him. That was the day I was all tied up with, uh, well, Lincoln a little <laughs> bit and whoever else. I can't. Oh, Les Miles. Um, so, uh, and then OSU. He, he got a bad. That's a bad day. Uh, for for Wells to come, but um, I think he's going to do a good job. I've been following his career at Utah State. Did a very good job up there. That's not an easy place to win, and he did a pretty good job of winning up there. So I'm reasonably optimistic about Matt Wells. And uh, Barry Joe brought up his name, uh, Neil Brown at uh, West Virginia. I know you spent uh, some time around him. Wrote about him uh, in the Oklahoman. I uh, believe it was uh, Thursday's paper. What uh, what was your takeaway from from uh, hearing from him for the first? Well, time? I think he's a great fit. You know, as soon as we, as soon as he first started talking on the podium, I looked over at Joe, who spent some time in the great state of Kentucky, except it's a Commonwealth, um, <laughs> and I said, uh, "Hey, now I know why West Virginians like this guy. He sounds like them. He had that Appalachian accent, and." Um, you know, seems to have really embraced the community and just seems like a perfect fit. I love Dana Holgerson, known him forever. <laughs> we'll uh, get to see Dana again this year. Yeah, you know, I, be, uh, I've been uh, twice. I've gotten, uh, you know, I've been up there to to uh, to uh, see Dana uh, in um, in Morgantown, and so we had a great relationship. But he never had what I would consider a great connection with the Mountaineers. It's pretty clear that he he liked Texas. It's pretty clear that he was sort of a, oh, sort of a uh, quirky personality. 
Um, you know, living in the hotel deal, which he did in Stillwater and he did in Morgantown for a while. Um, you know, he wasn't married. Um, just, you know, West Virginians sort of like their people to, you know, to be sort of stable. And Neil Brown is that. So I think it's going to be a better fit in Morgantown with, with Neil Brown. And that's a good thing because they're going to struggle. You know, West Virginia last November was eight and one and ranked seventh in the nation. So let's not pretend this has been a desolate program. They were really good last year, and then they lost to OU by three points, and they lost to OSU by four points. I mean, they were a whisker away from being ten and one and ranked fourth, playing in the Big Twelve title game. Yeah. So that was. And they wouldn't have played OU. I think they'd have played Texas. Yeah, they would have played Texas. So, man, that that was a you know they were a whisker away from a special special season. So the program's not desolate, but it is rebuilding because they lost a bunch. So they'll need to be patient with Neil Brown. All right, Joe. Real quick before we get into some OU football talk, uh, cleaning up a couple more things from uh, Big Twelve Media Day. We talked about the new coaches, most likely to succeed and least likely to succeed of the new four. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to go with Les Miles as least likely to <laughs> succeed because he's got the toughest job. And um, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, even even before seeing him at Big 12 Media Days, I thought that was sort of an odd fit. It seems like Kansas wanted to make a splashy hire, which they absolutely did. But I think uh, maybe a younger coach who was more in touch with the conference might have made more sense most likely to succeed um i'm gonna go with neil brown my only sort of concern for him is i think he's a rising star in this business did a great job at troy beat lsu won three bowl games i think there might be a next step for him i mean he just to me he seems like destined as like an sec type coach um I, i remember at kentucky before mark stoops sort of turned it around last year a lot of Kentucky fans were very out there and saying, you know what, if Mark Stoops got fired or if he wanted to leave for another job, Neil Brown was their guy. I think he's going to get a better job than Kentucky. But um, because of the geographic fit, a guy being from the mountains in eastern Kentucky only makes sense that he would now coach the Mountaineers. Um, I, I think uh, I think he's most likely to succeed. So Joe starting the SEC <laughs> chant for Neil Brown already before he's even Putting coached it a out game. Yeah. Uh, you, can take the, you can take the kid out of the SEC. You can't take the SEC out of the kid. That's just the way that is. <laughs> we live with it every day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I'm talking in like three years, not a, not next year or anything. All right, Joe. All right. All, all right, Barry, what about you? Most likely and least likely to succeed uh, – I, I think it's Neil Brown. I think West Virginia is the best program out of those four. I do think Wells could win at Tech. I think Kleiman could win at Kansas State. There's no chance Les Miles wins at Kansas. So, But uh, Neil Brown, uh, West Virginia is a historically solid football program, and I think he's going to get it going pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you on, on both with both y'all and both those things for the reasons you mentioned. I, I think the less miles higher, because of how bad Kansas has been, I think it's going to cover up just how bad a hire this was. That uh, Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's, he's not going to win any more or any less than uh, the guys before him, but I, I think uh, this is just has the disaster that Charlie Weiss was sort of written all over it uh, at this point. 
Yeah. Would you go over under two seasons at Kansas? Uh, (laughs) I would two full seasons. I'm going to take the under. Can you say two and a half? <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean that's that, that the would over. be more fair. Two and a half. All right, under. <laughs> under. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Close Bar- the window. Uh, Barry, I'm cool with the push at two seasons. Barry wants to go for the win with uh, <laughs> having the two and a half. Because I'm guessing you think that it'll last two seasons and that'll be it. That seems likely. Golly, what a that's just a mess. What a mess that is. <laughs> All right, real quick, let's talk about some Oklahoma stuff. We talked a lot about OU the other day, but uh, Joe, a lot of hype around this freshman class with uh, everybody that has been brought in, uh, some positions available for some of those guys. But who to you among the uh, 2019 signees is the most likely to have a big-time impact on the Sooners this year? I'm going to go with Trajan Bridges. Now, uh, I will admittedly say it's still hard for me to differentiate between Bridges, Theo Weiss, and Jaden Hazelwood, the trio of five stars in this class. Um, But Bridges' name seems to be popping up a little more than the other two. So um, having not been able to see them that much other than in the spring game, I'll go with Bridges for now. All right, Barry, what about you? He's clearly a wide receiver, I think. So... um I think didn't I say Trajan Bridges? Yeah, I think I stole your. I think I, think I stole you your stole answer. Me. Well, I'll go the other <laughs> way and go with Theo Weiss. I'll say Trajan Bridges is. Uh, he's sort of maxed out on his career. He's on the downside. <laughs> the spring game, of nineteen. <laughs> it's a Theo Weiss world, and we're all just living in it. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to keep up the receiver uh, streak and go with Jaden Hazelwood. <laughs> Here's a kid who grew up rooting for Oklahoma. Uh, his his dad. Started off at OU, was not a football player there, but uh, started off at OU before moving him to Georgia, became settled in there. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood grew up a Sooners fan, became blossomed into a big, big-time recruit there, longtime Georgia commit, swung to OU uh, there at the end. I think Jaden Hazelwood uh, winds up being the guy of these three that winds up breaking through. But I think we're all in agreement that one of those receivers is going to break through and have a big season, which means one of us – is going to look brilliant at the end. Uh, the other two maybe not look <laughs> stupid, but uh, not as brilliant as the other two. But we'll see what happens. But uh, we got to wrap it up for now. But we're going to be back regularly. We promise we're going to make this a regular occurrence uh, on uh, Sooners Extra podcasting in a great way. You can check out our work uh, in the Oklahoman and on the Oklahoman.com every day. Thank you. 